0: And, Lord, that you will search our hearts. Lord, help us to be attuned to what you will be doing this day in the song services, the songs that we've already sung. Lord, for the opportunity we have now to look into your word, I pray that it will be a magnifying glass into our own lives. Help us, Lord, to see what you would have for us to see. And we'll praise you for what you do. Now, anoint this preacher. Watch over those in family camp. And, Lord, just have your perfect will and way in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've been blessed by the song service. How about you this morning? We have church light today, but I hope that the message won't be light. I'm going to be the heavy today. Is that all right? Uh, and he say, what's different? <laughs> yeah, I put on five pounds extra. so. To... Today is my 39 my my 39th it's also Janie's 39th anniversary. I remember back to this day 39 years ago I flew in from Dallas, Texas the day before after not seeing my wife for 9 months uh, apart from or not excuse me not 9 months 8 months apart from about a week in that 8 months time we were separated I traveled The West Coast, it was the first time that I actually got to see Eugene, Oregon back in 1977. And there uh, we stopped and saw it and, and finished the ensemble and flew out of Dallas, flew in to Jacksonville, Florida, and got up and got married. That's a pretty good thing. Amen to that. I didn't have time to change my mind, and I am so glad that I didn't. I can't think of a better wife that I have than Janie. She has been a marvelous pastor's wife. She is the love of my life. And I told her last night, I said, she is more beautiful today than when we first got married. And so thank the Lord for it. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder and beauty is in the soul and often comes through our eyes. By the way, Ben and congratulations. You guys just got married. Is that not correct? Correct. Yes, let's give them a hand. Why don't you just raise your hand so we can see you guys back there, Ben and his new bride this morning with us. Thank you for being with us this morning and everything. It's a good place to spend a honeymoon, would you not agree? Right here at Westside Baptist Church. By the way, the first year of our marriage together, uh, some of you have heard this before and probably wouldn't remember. I mean, it's a long time since I've shared this, but (laughs) I... You, you, you have to understand that my wife has put up with a lot being married, married to me. Amen. You know, I knew I was going to get amens, but I was just, I'm making note of who did say amen on that. All right, I just want you to know, I will pray you out of purgatory if I, if I think about it. All right. But she had a lot to put up with. Uh, but uh, Jay, to understand, you know what my wedding gift was to her. And I don't want you to judge me too severely. It was not a mop, all right? It was not a plunger, though those things have been a part of gifts that I have given her over the years. But my my wedding gift to her, and at that time it was fairly expensive. Brother Frank, you probably remember this uh, uh, back when we didn't have cell phones and internet and all those kinds of things. I gave to her on cassette tape the entire Bible. And I said, honey, our first year, we are going to go through the Bible every day together. And I am thankful. You know, at that time, it was just maybe how God laid on my heart. Actually, that's when He encouraged me to read through the Bible every year. And I've been doing it now. Today will be 39 years that I've read the Bible through. And I'm glad that we've started that. And I was thinking about that this morning, Bonnie, in that we do not read the Bible together uh, now uh, because we have the uniqueness of our own study together. And that's a good thing. You know how God wants her to study the Bible, how God wants me to study the Bible. And that's the uniqueness of our relationships together. I do encourage Couples. I encourage families to continue having their devotion and their time with the Lord. Amen to that. Uh, the strength of marriages, Brother Ben, and and I forgot your wife's first name. Jenny? Janet. Janet. That's right, Janet. Uh, I prayed for you guys this morning, and it shows you how my memory is, though, on names. It's very poor as some can attest to. Isn't that right? Uh, that's a given fact around here but uh, just to have time in God's word to pray together oh my wife is here here she is let's listen 39 years man thank you sweetheart did you hear everything I just said oh good you all sworn to silence all right okay keep. Yes, today is Judy and Mike Finn. Why don't you raise your hand? Their one-year anniversary today. Amen. That was so neat. In fact, a year ago, I got to stand up there to be their pastor and to to perform the wedding that was on our anniversary. So we need to go out to dinner today. You buy, all right? So... Well, let's get into the Word of God. I've got a lot to go on. And if you put your thinking caps on, uh, Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, we will not be having church tonight just to remember that. And uh, let's see if we can get it rolling. Sometimes I don't know what it is, but uh, it just doesn't like to connect on the dots here. And, and for some reason, it's still not connecting on the dots. And uh, it, they're saying it is connecting. There it goes. I, I You know, it's just one of those things to build patience in my life you can always tell how well that's going and sometimes I can tell how well that's going and everything but we get thank the Lord for, for the opportunity for these things and and what we want to do is just kind of quickly go over last time but let's just read this again this is such a, a misquoted verse and we've talked about in and, and, and several weeks ago we talked about what it does what it means and what it does not mean to judge. All right. So judge not that ye be not judged. For that with what judgment and you'll see up here, you'll see what we're going to cover here. That ye be not judged, the sentence of judgment. And then uh, with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with, with the measure that you meet, it shall be measured back to you again. What you dish out will be dished back. Why, behold, thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye, but considers not the beam that's in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? And behold, the beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. And then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Alright, so we see here the judgment, the measure. And then the moat, the strain of the judgment. We'll focus mostly on the last two this morning. Uh, We've talked about last week uh, about this judgment, the, the past judgment, the penalty of sin. The present is, is the paternal judgment. The future is the rewards. How many were here last week and remember that? Uh, these these points. All right. So just real quickly uh, in the past judgment, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, your sins are forgiven and the penalty of sin has already been judged. Now, notice this word. We said this last time on this past penalty uh, thing. Verily, verily. Remember, I said talk about verily, verily. That's the word. Truly, truly, or what's the Greek word? What's the Hebrew word? What's the Irish word? What's the Polish word? What's the amen? All right. All right. Amen, amen, and amen. So be it. Absolutely. Now, interesting, that word verily is used in the Old Testament, New Testament, some 113 times. But it's only used, verily, verily, 25 times. And only... In the book of John. Only. In the book of John. Interesting. He says, verily, verily, and this is the Lord saying, and and when you see that, verily, verily, he starts it off. And in John, uh, there's chapter 1 and then chapter 3, he says to Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto you, unless you are born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Isn't that not correct? He says that's an absolute truth. There is no way to get into heaven unless you've been born again. Now, I want to ask this question, and you answer this question, if you would, please, right where you are sit. Answer it to yourself. Have you been born again? Yes, yes, or no, or I'm not sure. Now, if you're not sure today, you need to make sure of that. Yes. If you said no, what would keep you from being born again? Well, maybe you'd ask a question like Nicodemus did. Do I have to enter my mother's womb and get born again? No, he said he is born of the water. I believe that's talking about a physical birth. And then he that's born of the spirit. The spirit is what gives us this new life in Christ. He comes into our heart and God saves us. Well, do I have to be in a hospital to be born again? Do I have to be in church to be born again? Do I, you know, John was there meeting uh, uh, Jesus at nighttime and he says uh, uh, he had some questions for him. And Jesus goes right to the point. And so I'm going right to the point this morning. Have you been born again? That's an acknowledging that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and you invite Jesus Christ to come in your heart. Why don't you put your faith and trust in him? There's no other way, right or wrong. And here he says, verily, verily. And this is interesting. We talked about those words, judgment. We're going to go look at them quickly again. But I just want to bring out some things here. I say unto you, and oftentimes when we don't finish a message, there's always stuff that keeps coming back up that's that's so rich that you never get, even the first or second or fifth or ninth time. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. An absolute truth. I will never die. I will not come to the second death. Remember, we read that in Revelation chapter 20. There about the great white throne judgment. Those who do not have Jesus Christ as their Savior will stand before God someday at the great white throne judgment. But he says, you have and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. It's interesting. This is another word for this word judgment that we looked at last time. And this word here is actually the idea of a trial. And I find that interesting, Brother Frank. He says, you shall not come to the trial. You see, the great white throne, there's going to be a trial there. Is that not correct? The books are going to be open. And those that were not found written in the book of life are cast into the lake of fire. He says, this is the second death. The reason I am not going to come to that trial is because that trial has already taken place when Jesus Christ said on the cross, it is finished and I applied his blood and what he did for me and his his sacrificial death, his his substitutionary atonement for me. The trial is over. Aren't you glad, Brother Mike? You don't have to stand at the trial. And it is the trial. Uh, actually, there it, it's interesting. Matthew twenty-three thirty-three that uses this the same word, I believe it talks about the trial of hell. The trial of. Of hell. Remember when I read in in Revelation 20? He says, and death and hell. Death and hell were brought up before this judgment. Aren't you glad, Brother Zach, that we're not going to stand at that trial? Oh, there is a judgment called the Bema Seat. But those are different words. It's not these words uh, that are used here. Uh, So there's the present judgment, and we talked about this paternal judgment. Let me just quickly go over this. He says in in 1 Corinthians 11, we talked about this in the reference to the communion time. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat this bread and drink of this cup Whosoever eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation. Now, I put the words up there. They're in color this time. I didn't have it last week because we didn't get it uploaded and everything. But I put it up there. So this word damnation that is used here, you'll notice it's in that kind of gold color up there. And that is the word for punishment. So he that eateth and drinketh punishment to himself, not discerning. And that word discerning, that's a good translation of that word, the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That is the punishment, all right, for not discerning. Now, if you would discern ourselves, we would not be punished. you see that? Uh, But when we are punished, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned. Now, this is a verb, and this is in the aorist tense, which means this is going to be the place the position with the world. And it's interesting, as you look at this word condemned, most times it is re- referenced to now what we would think of condemnation. But this is actually the same word that is used when Jesus stood at the trial of the Sanhedrin and he was condemned. All right, So in that word, it has the idea, according to the judgment of, Of the judge. Does that make sense? In other words, uh, when God judges or condemns, that judgment is damnation in eternal lake of fire. But man can enter into this and they can condemn a man, but it is a judgment according to that judge. And that's the word that's used when Jesus stood at the Sanhedrin. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. All right. So, we we understand these words and it helps us because sometimes people get confused. Sometimes people have difficulty with these things and so trying to bring this out hopefully at least a little clearer. Is that clear to everyone here this morning? This is kind of a review from last week. Uh, some folks uh, were really appreciative and uh, helped them to understand this paternal judgment, which is talking about chastening there. And we understand chastening in Hebrews 12 6 For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receives. Because you're born again, you will have this paternal judgment. And and this paternal chastening and that we're not going to have our part with lost people because we're saved. But as saved, daddy knows what we're doing and we need to make sure that we're living our lives in our love for him. And then we went into um, the future rewards and just real quickly on this, on the future rewards. uh, We all understand that someday there is going to be uh, a reckoning of the life that we've lived. Now, some people have said, you know, I just don't like all this this judgment stuff. But you ponder it. Is there justice here in this world? Not always. And people struggle with this. Well, if God is such a loving God, why did this happen? Or or why did He keep this from happening? Let me understand, to you who have been born again and understand eternal life, you haven't seen the end of everything. And someday we are going to be judged based on what we do. And there's rewards. And, and the Bible talks about these rewards. But when, but why do, does you judge your brother? He says, uh, uh, and that's a present tense, which you're going to understand that this idea of this judgment in, in, in Matthew chapter 7 is a, uh, the idea of, uh, of a critical spirit. And why dost thou set it naught or despise thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is that Bema seat. We all understand that? So you and I, if you know Jesus is your Savior, we're going to stand before the Bema seat. In 1 Corinthians 3.15 it says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but himself shall be saved. In other words, you're not saved by your works, you're saved by grace. But there's coming a day when you and I will be judged based on our works and we will give an account not to a preacher but to God on how faithful we were to what he has given to us in second corinthians chapter 5 talking about that same bema see for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that's that word bema again see it's a different word for judgment that everyone may receive the things that he's done in his what body You know, I used to say, I wish God would have saved my body also, but he didn't save our bodies. And I've said this time and time again. I personally believe that the reason God saved our soul, he's going to give us eternal life. And someday he's going to give us a new body, a redeemed body. But he leaves us with this flesh. Because we have choices now. And there's a battle between the soul, the spirit and the flesh. And he's going to judge you and he's going to judge me at this Bema seat based on how well we deal with uh, flesh. Isn't that interesting? Because God is a God of love. And he still gives us choices even after we're saved. I wish I could say I've always made the right choices. But love is choice. And he says here, he says, those things which are done in your body, according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad, whether it's worth something, and this word uh, good and bad here is that idea. It's worth something or it's worthless. The wood, hay, and stubble, or the precious stone. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. So here it is, in these verses that talk about here how that, that there's going to be a reckoning day. You might not be rewarded here on this world, but God knows what we do. And He keeps an account of that. He keeps an account of our words. He keeps account of these things. And there's going to be this beam of seat someday, and we're going to give an account of our lives. Judgment. You see, as we look around this world, we can see a godly person suffering right or wrong. We can see a wicked person prospering, right or wrong. And people today and lost people, and oftentimes they don't understand the eternality of what happens here. Someday there's coming this judgment. I was reading this morning in in Psalm uh, 73. Let me read it to you. Some of you are familiar with this. This is a good passage for you to use for people that are skeptical of, of the good and the bad. And it doesn't make sense to people. And so how can these people prosper in their wickedness and, and good people can suffer in all? Psalm 73 says, listen to this. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me... I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone, for I envied the proud, when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seemed to live with, with such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have trouble like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. I like verse 7 in this translation. These fat cats have everything their heart could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused. Drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Get it? But it doesn't stop there. The next verse is the answer. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Amen? Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Amen and amen. Isn't that an amazing passage? Remember that. Where's that found? Psalm 73. Because if I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. What about this? And what about that? Why is there so much injustice here? Well, the reason there's injustice here, because this world is cursed by sin. But there's coming a day when there will be no sin. And that'll be in heaven. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll be able to spend eternity with Him. Amen and amen. Listen to what this says in finishing up our future judgment, knowing that someday we are going to stand. Someday our life is going to be uh, there at the Bema sea. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, "Right, Blessed are the dead which died in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. It sounds like resting from a building project, too. And their works do follow them. Amen? God doesn't forget. Don't think that God doesn't take note of what's going on in our lives. I want him to be searching me and helping me on my journey. So that finishes up the judgment aspect of, of this. And let's see if we can't uh, get another. There it is. In other words, next point here. With what measure you meet, this is the standard of judgment. The standard of judgment. He says that uh, it shall be measured to you again. So the standard of judgment is here how we judge. And we understand there's a right judgment and that's God's word. That's God himself is the right judge. Amen. And that that's going to be there. But if I'm judging out of my own foolish ideas, I like this. I don't like this. And, 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 and putting ourselves as the judge and allowing it to affect us. This becomes the standard of our consequences. We will be judged back Uh, Again, and so here in Luke chapter 12, 48, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Uh, It's interesting passage here talking about how that the master has given these riches and some people have used it and some people didn't use it. He says here in a passage that maybe you're familiar with. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. I believe that there is a standard of our lives. And when God gives to us opportunities and resources, we will be judged according to those resources And his call upon our lives. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Moreover, or 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Moreover, it is required in a steward's that a man be found what? Faithful. May God help us to be faithful to what has been given to us. Here, some ideas here in the idea. If you are a Sunday school teacher. If you're a pastor. If you're handling the word of God. Notice what it says here. My brethren, be not many masters. Or the idea would be teachers. Knowing that we shall receive the greater what? Punishment. You know, if you're given the opportunity to handle God's word, you handle it wisely. Amen to that? Oh, I tell you, it's a fearful thing not to, to handle what God has given to us. Too much is given, much is required. All right. So then we we see the standard of this consistency in in, in our lives uh, as as you have children uh, and uh, um, uh, we have grandchildren now and, and as they grow up in grandchildren. And I'm sure you as a parent did the same thing as a grandparent, you would expect more as the children grew. Is that not correct? And so it is with God to us as our father in heaven as we grow in the Lord, He expects more from us. Will you say, "Well, well, Pastor, <laughs> I'm just going to not grow"? Do you think that would be a good decision or bad decision? Wouldn't it be awful uh, if Brother Wayne you were still saying "goo goo gaga" at 87 years of age? Sometimes you do. That's true. That is that is true. There comes a point where you start going the other way. Isn't that right? Yeah, our kids uh, kid us about that, how they're going to treat us and take care of us. All right, so there's a standard of consistency that God wants us to have as we mature in the Lord. We should be more faithful. We should be more attuned. We We should, listen, you don't need church light. Can I just say that? I find that the more I grow in the Lord, the more I need the Lord. How about you? Don't be a teenager spiritually. You know what I mean by that? Ponder those stages of life. God brings us through those. God's growing us up. Praise the Lord. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Oops, have got one verse here that we... This is an interesting passage. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable. Now, what's before Romans chapter 2? Very good. I, I, you know, I, I try to keep my, my, my questions simple, all right? Do y'all remember what's in Romans chapter 1? Romans chapter 1 talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. Then he goes into how that people didn't want to make God God and they wanted to worship creation and crea- the creature more than the creator. And he talks about then all these despicable sins. Y'all know that? Despicable sins, but in those despicable things sins is also some sins that every one of us in this room have committed. Talking about disobedience to parents is in that list and he finishes up. I would encourage you to read there in Romans chapter one, all this list. And now he says, therefore, Donna, when a therefore is therefore, it's therefore for a reason. Isn't that right? It's referring to chapter 1 and all these lists. And people could say, well, I'm not all that bad. And he's saying, oh, no. He says, you mark it out. In fact, Romans chapter 1, chapter 2 and chapter 3 are written to show the sinfulness of man. You know, I can get on my hobby horse and I can say, man, this sin is wicked and all. And what I have to understand, that disobedience to parents is just as wicked as such were some of you. You know, God says, and you read this, Pastor, I would encourage you to read this over. Because it's so easy for us to get on our political high horse instead of looking at what's going on in our own lives. Sin is sin in God's eye. Now, let me just say this as a, a clause here. It is wrong. To normalize any sin. And that's the problem today. We are normalizing sin. We're making it the norm. Rather than the repulsiveness that it needs to be. But can I say this? That as repulsive as the things that are going on in our society. So my sins should be repulsive to me. Get it? Is it? This is this consistency. Consistency. The consistency of the judging. Did you catch what I said? It's awful quiet. The consistency of this judgment is that I make sure I deal with myself. And that's what he said. You're an inexcusable man. Whosoever thou judgest, and this is this critical spirit, and where thou judgest another, that critical spirit, thou condemnest. You're bringing that trial, the same trial, the same judgment that you bring because you have set yourself or I have set myself up as a judge. Now it comes back as my judgment. You're 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 bringing this trial to the place where it's coming back to you for thou that judges does the same thing. You see that word? it's hard for you to see it up there on the screen that word condemn according to the judgment of the judge. You see, so we've seen the Sanhedrin becoming the judge for Jesus. How foolish. We see God being the judge of creation, and how true. But now we have entered into this place like God, setting ourselves up as a judge. And that's why he says here, With the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And then this brings us to our last point. Why beholdest the moat? That is in your brother's eye and you don't consider the beam that's in your own eyes. Now, listen, as we come to the conclusion of this, I, I would hope that we understand that there is a, a reason that Jesus is bringing this up. One, he's trying to deal with the critical uh, spiritual attitudes that are out there. But there's also a truth that we can come up with this. And, and, and so in this portion here, there's something that I'd like all of us to get and not leave this congregation without getting this. In other words, you haven't, and I haven't considered, as it says, the, uh, the capacity of our own lives. We don't see. In other words, uh, Jesus is saying here, you've not even considered what's going on in our own lives. I don't know about you, but I have a list of the sins and the things that God is working on in my life. I would encourage all of you to write down those things that God is working on and see how He's working on those things. I have a list. and I dare say my list is probably longer than most of those that are here this morning. God's been dealing with me about. And I recognize it as sin. I'm going to tell you what. That helps you from having a critical spirit. When you look at the beams of our own lives. Do you get it? Get it. Because a critical spirit will destroy a relationship in a home. It will destroy a church. It will destroy neighbors. It will destroy the workforce. May I ask this question? We asked you earlier, have you been born again? Yes or no? Let me ask you this question. What is God working on in your life? Could you write down that list? I would encourage you to ponder it. You know, every year around New Year's time and all of December, starting actually in October, I start asking God those things that He would have me set up for goals for the next year. And on that oftentimes is those things that I have not come up to His standard. Sin is missing the mark. I would hope that we would have these things that we continue to work on. The carnality of this strain. And that is the idea there that it is so easy for me to find fault with Donna rather than finding fault with myself. That's carnal. Donna, do you have any sins? Not a one. (laughs) How many else would join the perfect elite that's sitting up here in the front? (laughs) And she says that tongue in cheek. Yeah, that's, that's because not one, but thousands, right? <laughs> in that right? Or, or whatever. We all understand the closer we get to the Lord, the more we understand what He's trying to do. And so in this passage, understand, listen, we need to consider the capacity of our own selves, what's going on in our lives, and the carnality it is to point fingers at others for the splinter that's in their eyes when we have beams in our own lives. And it is the critical spirit that makes it the beam. And then, get this last point. The correction to the strain. In other words, he's not wanting us just to stop here. Notice as he goes on there, Why beholdest thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that's in thine own eye? Or wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Alright, so that's where we are. But notice what verse 5 says, Thou hypocrite. He says, First cast out the beam that's in thine own eye, And then, and then, we need to come to the place and then help others on their journey. Does that make sense? You know, that's what we see in the Lord all the time, is He's looking at other people. He says, you know, you and I need to get right with God. Or He's saying to us, we need to get right with God. So that we can truly come alongside and help others. That's what this is all about. Wow, I like that, don't you? I did. I I really. You know, when I was going through this, I I can be self centered in even getting right with God because I don't want God to bunk me. I don't want Him to punish me. I don't want the chastening of the Lord. No, that's a carnal aspect. I want to get right with God so that I can help people on their journey. You ever think about that? Now, write that down maybe. Or something, we need to take that home. God, I need to stay right with you. I need to do what you want me to do. Not for me, not for these future rewards, not because I'm not going to have this paternal punishment, but the deeper aspect of everything that I'm preaching is because of the love of God and the love that we should have for other people. That, by the way, is the ultimate of what should be motivating us in our lives, period. Amen? Amen. So be it. Barely, barely. (laughs) However we want to deal with it. A couple verses. You blind guides. How would you like to have a pastor uh, that was leading you into a ditch? You heard about that. He says you strain at gnats and swallow camels. You know, it's interesting. The Pharisees didn't get it after the Sermon on the Mount. He's rebuking the Pharisees here in Matthew chapter 23. And I dare say that some of us will not get it today either. We continue to look at the the motes or the, the slivers out there and we don't consider what's going on in our own lives. I want to challenge you. Consider what's going on in your own lives so you can come alongside others and help them. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual. And by the way, if you're going to have the Holy Spirit lead your life and to be a Spirit-led Christian, He's going to tell you to come alongside a brother or a sister. And He's going to help us to go in the Spirit rather than in the flesh. You know, I can tell when I'm in the flesh most times. I can sometimes tell when other people are in the flesh. And oftentimes it is in the way that we deal with our own correction or the way when someone corrects me, how do I respond? Do I respond in the spirit or in the flesh? So here he says, if anybody be overtaken in its fault, you that are spiritual, being spirit led, restore. The word restore means to mend. Uh, Brother, brother Donna, sister Donna, you fell and broke your arm. It is being restored. It is being mended. Not as fast as a teenager would be, but it's still being mended. That's that word here, to mend. To put it back together. That break is pretty painful, isn't it? Still to this day, it's still painful. Can't you wait till it's restored? Absolutely. Aren't we glad we should be praying for Donna? She can't drive till December, we're told. Living out there, way out in the boonies all by herself. Oh, God, God. Mend her arm. And so that same should be to one another, that we want to mend people rather than tear apart or break. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Consider thyself. You know you can start entering into pride when you go along and help other people. He says, consider yourself. You go look at the list. What God has brought you through, where we have grown, where God has been patient with us. Consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Is this a suggestion or is this a commandment? So God says, you consider the beam that's in your own life. You take care of the beam in your life so you can come alongside and help other people. Life is so self-centered today. The whole reason we want to grow our faith, the whole reason we want to stay out of sin is not for the punishment, not for the rewards, but it's so that we can help other people. There's a great motive, let me tell you. Romans fourteen nineteen. Let us therefore follow after these things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Just to solidify this a little bit more in your brain, let me just read to you two passages, if I might. And by the way, uh in, in Roman, in Hebrews chapter 10, before I go to these last two examples, Hebrews chapter 10, congregation, listen. He says, Let us consider one another to provoke. <laughs> That's an interesting word. Would you not agree, Donna? To provoke. It means to irritate the idea there. But or else? To stimulate unto what? Love. And to what? Good works. Verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner some is, but exhort, build up one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what we have? We have church light today. We have church less today. People are coming more hermits. People would rather stay home and watch television. People would rather get on their internets and do all these things rather than fulfilling the command of the Lord. And that is assembling together so that we can worship and come and encourage one another. I Me, mean, there's times when I don't feel like coming to church and I'm the pastor. I understand that. There's times that I'm tired. Many weeks that I'll put in 60 hours a week. And God says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know, we have a drift away from church today. And yet, how can we fulfill verse 24? My mission in life is to help others on their journey. And I want to keep myself where God wants me to be so I can do so. Psalm 51. You all know what Psalm 51 is about? What's Psalm 51 about? David's sin. David's sin. sin. Listen. Listen to what it says. Let me read it to you. He says in verse 10, He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse 13. Then. 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 Will I teach transgressors. Thy ways. And sinners. Shall be converted. Unto thee. Get it? It's not about me. It's about so I can be a witness out there. And help other people come to know Jesus Christ as their saviour. Luke chapter twenty two, the same idea there when Peter was going to, was told that he would deny the Lord. Remember that in in, in verse thirty two it says, and the, and the Lord says unto Peter, "But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith faileth not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren." Father, I pray that you will help us now in our journey that we would as a, as a born again believers as as your children that we would now take this message and mature to that place where we see life is not about us oh i i do remember that lord i didn't want to be spanked by you and then lord i remember that i was looking forward to those rewards. And those are highly motivational aspects of our lives. But, oh, when we come to the place where we love you and love others, then really those things are just minuscule. And we could come to what Paul says, the love of God constrains me. That we actually serve at Westside Baptist Church in our communities and our homes because of our love for you and our love for others. I pray that this last point might just sink deep into our soul and that we'd ask ourselves what's going on in our lives. Too often we come to church or we serve because we want rewards or we don't want to be punished rather than coming to the place where we are freed in our spirits, as David said, so that we can help others on their journey. Lord, what a motivation that would be. And then even coming to another level in our lives, which we didn't talk about today, and that is that sometimes it can be discouraged when you try to help other folks and they do not respond. And coming to that place that we realize that we reflect you, whether people respond or they don't, whether our children follow You or not, whether a church member follows and goes in the right direction or not, Father, we're going to answer to You someday, and we want to bring You glory. Oh, Father, the chief end of man. We see that in the prophets where they had to stand up. And even as I was reading Ezekiel this morning, that God didn't answer the third time when these people came back and they turned their hearts away from you, there was no answer from God, and so be it. Ezekiel stood strong for you. Lord, we're living in a world that's changing so drastically. Lord, we need to have our hearts for others. Might you build us to that place where it's not a mechanical show or a motivation of fear or of rewards, but that, Lord, we'd grow in our love for others and for you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. ask you, ask the question, have you been born again? If you've not been born again and you're not certain of that, why don't you this morning... Put your faith in the Lord. You say, Pastor, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to put my faith in Jesus this morning. I want to be born again. I don't want to face God without Jesus Christ taking away the penalty of my sin. I want that trial to be over. I want to trust in Him this morning. Why don't you slip up your hand and hold that for just a second. I'll remember you in this closing prayer. All right. Anyone else this morning? Number two question. Number two question. If you were to go back at your list, is your list stronger than the list that you have against other people that's out there? Or you say, Pastor, the Lord spoke to my heart that I need to go out there and I need to start looking and making those lists of things that you want to work on in my life. And God spoke to my heart in that way. Would you slip your hand up and hold there for a second? All right, many hands this morning. Many hands this morning. I want to encourage you on that. I I, I want to just say this. I have a list from 2003 that I'm still working on three out of the seven things. Can I just say that? Yeah, I'm making progress, but little, very little. Some things can be struggles, but don't give up, my friend. It's well worth it. And then the last question this morning, I could ask you this morning. Has God spoke to your heart about elevating the motivation of your life to serve Him because you love Him and you love others? If God spoke to your heart in that way, would you slip your hand up this morning and mine goes up just as well? Father, I thank you for the show of hands this morning. Now, as we have this invitation time, as we've already started this invitation time, there's some who've said, I want to be born again. Then even right where they sit, that they'd open up their hearts, or at the conclusion of the service, or even this invitation, that they open their heart and just put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Right now, where you sit there, why don't you say, oh Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. But I know Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. And He did it for my sin. To take away the penalty of my sin. I invite Jesus to come into my heart and save me. Do that right where you're seated. Before the service is over. Or you say, I need to make that list. Oh God, I'm going to go home. Or I'm going to start writing those. I'm going to ask you. Search me. Show me. Help me to see it. And make the list. Oh, it's amazing when you ask God to show you. He does. And what a treasure it is. Don't let the devil be the accuser in that time, but let God show. And then for most of us, dear Lord, you've seen our prayers, our hands. Many of us raised our hands more than once this morning because you've worked this morning. It's your spirit that works. It's the Word of God that works. And it's uh, we need to follow and be obedient to that. Help this congregation to be a church that is spirit-led, and because we do these things for love for you and love for others. Oh, Father, thank you for your grace and your patience. These decisions we commit into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're going to sing one verse of 262. If you'll get your songbook and turn there, let's stand to our feet. Search me, oh God. Aren't you glad when God works in our hearts? I surely am. We don't take it for granted, dear Lord, that you've worked today. Now, these decisions, not just for today, but for eternity. Let's sing together. If you'd like to come in this invitation, we encourage you to make your altar there, uh, an altar in your pew. So. Songwriter was insightful would you not agree see if there be any wicked way in me you know to get confession of sins is you call sin the way god calls sin and then at the end set me free we've been on galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the spirit where it says use your liberty to help others on their journey set me free so i can be a blessing to others if there's other decisions to be made, please make them before you leave. Amen to that. And then just go home and digest this. this. You know, you've heard judge not that you be not judged. Now you know the rest of the story. Amen to that. I trust that God will remind us of this when we see this or it's brought up to us. Remember these things. A lot of information. Time's gone. We've got a couple things uh, that are taking on. No services tonight. Uh, so come back uh, uh, this Wednesday. Then there's a couple things to sign up for. The workers meeting next uh, uh, Wednesday, the Ladies' Delight, and then the Men's Activity. There's sign-up list back there for these wonderful activities. And a work uh, day two weeks from yesterday, uh, sign-up list back there. And then we have an anniversary, today, not today, but this past week, 53 years. Tomorrow, tomorrow, 53 years. I asked my wife, I says, honey, how many of those uh, 39 years have been good? I won't tell you her answer, all right? It's a private matter there. God bless you. You are dismissed.